cross country. Pick up your cross and walk. Bear your cross. Cross the Jordan. Whatever the Jordan represents for you. Cross. Now that Moses was dead, Joshua's instruction from God was to take his people and cross. Cross. Cross the Jordan into the land of their inheritance. Beverly had no idea what uncovering her family ancestry would lead to, but just like the Israelites did Joshua, Bev trusted God's lead. Only after Joshua led them to their promised land could he go back and occupy his own land east of the Jordan. A principle Beverly learned in multi-level marketing. You help people get what they want first, and in turn, you get what you want. You know, the exact opposite of what society teaches. But the catch was, you actually had to have the right motives, the right intention. The network marketing environment initially reminded her of her competitive track days in rooms with people who were like-minded in the fact that they just wanted to win. They knew there had to be more to life than working a nine-to-five only to just pay bills and die. They were willing to go against the grain, work their full-time job, and after work, pursue building a passive stream of income in order to potentially buy back their time. Most importantly, have more time for family. The family Bev looked forward to having one day. By walking up to complete strangers in stores, well, anywhere really, striking up conversations and guiding that conversation to get them to ask her what she did for work. She was able to speak to anybody about anything, anywhere. She found common ground with everyone she spoke to. Everyone. Call it how to win friends. Well, wait. Although that's how the book influences people, her mentors didn't want people making friends if they weren't in the business. No, no, they didn't have time for that, nor were they like-minded. Call it sales. Yeah, yeah, sales. To Bev, it seemed like a pretty straightforward business model, minus having to disguise a sales opportunity within a bunch of meetings to get millennials interested and soften the blow after Googling the taboo company associated. All that could have been an email, but where's the value added in that, right? Was it manipulation? Parents made it feel guilty while they took their children on vacation that they quote-unquote didn't earn because they weren't at a certain level of their business yet, or just simply because it wasn't in their budget. Because the business was of duplication, it was implied that you put the business above everything else in order to become the millionaires with the planes that were just at arm's reach. Again, implied, but modeled very well. Basically, do what they did and you'll get what they got. All of the things, the money, the travel, and most importantly, time, so they said. 
There were two encounters she will never forget among all the people she met in the two-year time frame. She walked into a furniture store one day and began talking to one of the workers. He shared with her his testimony of getting that job and getting back on his feet after being without work for some time. After Bev shared with him what she was up to, he said that he could sense that she had a Deborah's anointing. He gave her some encouraging words, spoke into her life, and offered to pray for her before she left. Uh, sure, I guess. While he was praying, Beth was looking around to see if anyone else was watching. She felt so awkward. All she could think of was what his manager must be thinking praying for this customer and the fact that he didn't care what his manager thought and who the heck is Deborah? She left intrigued and went straight to the Christian bookstore down the street. And there it was. Deborah's Anointing by Michelle McLean Walters. Embracing the call to be a woman of wisdom and discernment. Still young in her faith walk, Bev read the first couple chapters, excited that some of her attributes resonated with her at the time. But it wouldn't be until the pandemic hit that she actually sat back down and read it. She finished the book within a day and was finally able to put language to what God had been molding her to become and was able to identify the anointing within herself. The most troubling encounter Beth had was also at a furniture store, a consignment store to be exact. She started a conversation with this woman to see if she was looking for an opportunity. She wasn't interested, but by the time Bev got back to her car, she had followed her out. She asked Bev if she was open to surrogacy, that her daughter had been a surrogate four times up to that point, was on her last baby and was making about $50,000 a piece. No. Bev was taken aback and felt nothing but sorrow for her daughter's body. She couldn't wrap her mind around the thought of being paid for her body and was heartbroken that people were casually recruiting women, paying for their bodies, devaluing a woman's worth to $50,000 to create life, putting hers on the line with no guarantee she or the baby would make it out alive. So that's the going rate for human life now? Well, I mean, five years ago? No telling what it is now. She was just trying to sell products, not her soul, body, and definitely not babies. The way she approached Bev was just as nonchalant as Bev approached her. Could it have been a reflection of what Bev was doing but didn't even realize it? On the surface, it looked harmless, just creating a life. But at what cost? Did the environment or the end justify the means? By the time she left MLM life, it felt like she was stripped of her soul. In hindsight, it was idolatry. Cult-like tendencies that took her a few years to recover from. Financially, for sure, but most importantly, spiritually. Building that business was so challenging, she didn't have a choice but to stay in church every Sunday 
and Wednesday nights for Bible study. She always questioned God to see if she was in the right place, and he kept giving her confirmation to stay. A few months before calling it quits, between reading the Bible and writing her book Surrender while on her first 21-day Daniel fast, the veil was lifted and her spiritual awareness began to see the toxic environment she was in. After two years of absolute isolation, daily rejection, and in some instances, obsession, she finally received some traction and achieved one of the first major milestones in her business. She crossed the stage to accept recognition for her milestone, and before introducing herself, she felt led to say, All glory to God. It was weird, though. She got to the mic and it almost didn't come out. It was like she had to force it back to memory and out of her mouth. Shortly after, God told her specifically that she will impact more people in a different arena and leave. So she left. The best thing that came out of her network marketing experience was the new relationship she cultivated with God. The fact that she read the book, A Woman After God's Own Heart, off the reading list, was the second best. It was an answered prayer. In December, going into 2019, she asked God if there was something she could read that wasn't another business or self-help book, but one she could actually finish, and something of faith. He didn't disappoint. The main thing it forced her to do was ask God to soften her hardened heart. She would listen to people share their hardships and not have a care in the world. It wasn't that she didn't want to care. She literally couldn't care. Was it because she never really experienced any real hardship in her own life up to that point to empathize? Or taught through track to just run through the pain and use that same mentality for everything else in her life? Reading that book made her feel like God was preparing her for a family and shaped her perspective on what a Christian woman who was after God would look like. Even down to how she and the kids greet her husband after a long day of work. The change didn't happen overnight like she expected. It became a gradual process of unlearning, learning, and softening. Not because she tried, she was transformed. It took some years, but she eventually became a softie. Cries at everything. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12, 2. Traveling across the country and retrieving information about her ancestors' land, she later found was only just the tip of the iceberg. Though she was looking for a pot of gold at the end of it all, it ended up forging a whole new path. Where Moses was sent to lead the Israelites out of bondage, Joshua was next in line to take them into the promised land. True freedom. Only it would take 40 years between deliverance and freedom. Deliverance from bondage was only part of the battle. They had to break down the walls of Jericho, their minds, to obtain what was rightfully theirs. Mental Real estate. Acres. 
Perhaps there were more acres of land where Beverly's family tree resided. Generations of oppressive thinking to undo. Remnants that had been passed down, obstructing her view of what she had already inherited but didn't recognize at the time. At the time, she was looking for land. I bet he has a will. She called the county courthouse where the land records were held and the representative told her that she would need to hire a lawyer to do the research and that they charge about $300 an hour. So Bev was on the first flight out of Vegas the same week of her grandfather's birthday to do it herself. She didn't have all the money she needed to go, refused to ask her parents for another dime, but since God told her to go that specific week, she obliged, trusting he would make a way. She called to make an appointment at the library after she got there. She was told that she wouldn't be able to find the documentation in the archives. But on the website, it says that the deeds are at this location. The representative was insistent that the records in that particular county didn't go that far back and suggested she go to the courthouse, which was going to be her next stop the following day. She didn't travel across country just to be told no, so she took the hour-long drive to the library anyway. And within 15 minutes of her archival research, not only was she able to find her great-grandfather's will, but she was also able to find deeds to many other parcels of land he bought and sold. She printed them out, saved them on the flash drive, and realized not only could this be easier than she thought it might be, but to be on the lookout for any more opposition that may come her way. The next day, she ended up at the county courthouse in the land records room. She found deeds of property sold at auction as well as a large plat that mapped out where her family's land was. The representative, the same one that told Bev over the phone that she needed to pay $300 an hour for research because she wasn't going to do it, said it was rare that plats were ever found, if ever. She was shocked about everything Bev found. She could understand why these women were in such disbelief when she told them she was finding everything she was looking for. Well, she knew why, but the day Bev found it just so happened to be on her grandfather's birthday. Bev decided to drive by the property to find it was occupied. The will suggested exactly what was in her grandfather's book that some of the proceeds of the land go towards paying his tuition, but sometime between the time of his death and the time tax liens began to accrue, the land fell into the hands of the state. She left the city encouraged to get some help and find out how she could get the land back or find out if the rest of his land was sold or just left unaccounted for. The deeds, what did all of this mean? After her research, she drove an hour up to visit her aunts and uncle from her mom's side. At this point, Bev was running on fumes, but felt led to go and trusted God would fund the rest of her trip some way. After catching up with her aunts and her uncle, her aunt blessed her with some money for her journey, and her uncle blessed her with some gas money. Everything she needed to fund the rest of the trip. Thank God she listened. While she was only an hour away from Charlotte, she figured she'd visit the church she frequented online on occasion. The message, 
was running on empty. Confirmation that ended such a beautiful trip. When she got back to Vegas and began to do the research, she realized that what she was uncovering was not necessarily just about her family land. In fact, it was less about her family and more about African-American land in general. She learned about Black land loss that had been swept under the rug for almost a century, and she was going to do her part to uncover the mystery and seek justice for what seemingly had many families worse off than her ancestors. What that entailed exactly? All she was told in prayer? After seeking lawyers online who specialized in a specific niche and coming to a dead end was, she was the lawyer. After an initial shock of it, she accepted it. Okay. From jump, she began to look for LSAT study courses and guides, tried picking dates on when she would take the exam and began envisioning herself in school again right away. She began to study for the test and realized it was different from other tests and that she may actually ace this one. So you want me to write all these movies, run all these businesses, invent this and that, and go to law school? So when am I supposed to get all this done? How? And when am I going to have a family and all this? Would I go back to school pregnant or with kids? I mean... God, I don't mind if that's what you want, but how, Lord? No, no, no. I'm grateful for all that you've given me to do. Don't take any of it back. But just, where's my team? Bev kept it cool for the majority of the time, but there were just some times where she just felt overwhelmed. One day, she was reminded of a sermon she had watched called The Pace of Grace, and afterwards realized that she had a lifetime to do everything God asked her to do. Now, how long that lifetime was, she didn't think about. She just knew that as long as she obeyed and did everything she was told, she would be able to accomplish everything. During her trip to Charlotte, she felt led to move there. Only, she wasn't sure when she was supposed to move. She waited for months and prayed, and one day felt led to read the story of Noah's Ark. As she was reading, she kept feeling like she was running late, as if God was waiting for her. She took a break from reading the story and began to pray. God, I'm getting the feeling that I should have moved by now. Am I too late? When do you want me to move? Tell me, where, where are the resources coming from? What, what should I be doing? She picked her head back up where she left off in the book of Genesis and literally within the next few scriptures read, In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. So that's when you want me to go. (laughs) You just answered it like that, that quick? So in about a month. (laughs) Okay. Beth was continuing to learn that she got her instructions from the Bible. Sometimes it was literal, other times through a spiritual lens. Though she was always asking God to send help, she didn't realize at the time 
but Noah built that whole dang ark on his own. We've never known Noah to have help, just God and his intricately detailed instruction. It took as long as it did, one step at a time, one day at a time, until it was done. The ark Noah built was symbolic to the strong relationship built with God, that the trust and faith they had in each other had to be extreme, and that God would assign the people that would come along when it was time, not to help, but to save. Noah did everything God asked him to do, no matter how big the assignment was. And because he chose to save himself, he built and saved his legacy at the exact same time. Thanks for supporting Cross. Like, comment, and subscribe.